0: Welcome to 10 Minute TechCom. This is Ryan Weber at the University of Alabama in Huntsville, and today I'm extremely excited to have a roundtable discussion between several members of the College Composition and Communication Conference Black Technical and Professional Writing Task Force.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Temptatius McCoy, Assistant Professor of English at Bowie State University, and I am the chair of the Black Techcom um, Committee.
2: My name is Dr. Cecilia Shelton, and I am an Assistant Professor of English at the University of Maryland and a member
3: of the Task Force. Hello, everyone. I'm Jayla Warman. I'm a doctoral candidate on the job market at Michigan State University in the Writing, Rhetoric, and American Cultures program, and I'm also a member of the task force.
4: Hey, y'all. I'm Dr. Natasha Jones. I am an associate professor at Michigan State University in the Writing, Rhetoric, and American Cultures department, and I am also happily a member of the task force.
5: Hi, I'm Dr. Donnie johnson C.K., and I'm an assistant professor here at the University of Texas at Austin in the Department of Rhetoric and Writing. These
0: five scholars, along with Dr. Kimberly Harper and Constance Haywood, recently wrote the 4C Black Technical and Professional Communication Position Statement with Resource Guide, which I've linked to in the show notes. This statement positions Black scholarship and Black experience as central to the work of technical communication, both in the academic field And in the work of technical communicators around the world. I highly recommend that you read the statement before listening to the interview because you'll get a lot more out of the interview with reference to the statement. Unlike many position statements, this one is organized around themes and each theme offers several resources where the reader can learn more about that topic. We'll discuss the creation of this statement, why they decided to organize it, and where people who support the statement can go from here in continuing the work that it advocates. I also wanted to mention that if you'd like to hear more from this task force and you're listening before November 30th, 2020, you can register for Black Technical and Professional Communication, a virtual panel hosted on Monday, November 30th from 1.30 to 3 Eastern, hosted by the Professional and Technical Writing Program at Virginia Tech. One more quick note before we start this episode. Because this roundtable focuses on the importance of Black scholarship and Black writing, I wanted to highlight a Black-owned bookstore as part of this episode. So please enjoy this short message from Pyramid Books. Pyramid Books operates out of Boynton Beach, Florida, but they ship nationwide, and you can find their extensive catalog at PyramidBooks.com.
6: Greetings. My name is Akbar, the director of Pyramid Books, African-American books, Caribbean and African-centered books and authors are our specialty. Nonfiction, fiction, self-help, metaphysics, political, mystery, Egyptology, Pan-African, spiritual, science fiction, and self-published and hard-to-find books is what we're known for. We celebrate Black History 365 days a year to educate all people about the African diaspora. We are a proud New York Times reporting store. Been in business for 30 years. An independent bookstore. We stand for hope and possibility in the book industry. We also ship to all prisons and institutions across the country. At Pyramid Books, we're not trying to change the world, but telling the story of a people who are in desperate need of change. Visit us at PyramidBooks.com. That's Pyramid, P-Y-R-A-M-I-D, books.com. Peace and blessing.
0: Welcome, everyone. I really appreciate you joining us today to talk about the position statement that you recently released. And I've linked to that in the show notes for people who want to take a closer look at it. But I wanted to just start by asking, how did this statement come to be? Can you briefly talk about why you decided to produce this statement?
1: So Rashawn Young, he and I had a conversation at last year's NCTE conference, and we were discussing how Black technical and professional communication practices are not oftentimes talked about in the grand scheme of the conferences and things of that nature. And he asked me if I would be willing to chair a committee on a Black technical professional communication task force. So after that conversation, he asked, you know, who would you like to serve on this committee and, you know, who would you like to bring in for that? And immediately I thought of my colleagues that are in the field that are experts in their very own distinct ways. So I wanted to make sure that I brought in people that could speak to very different avenues of Black technical and professional communication in ways that potentially maybe I couldn't speak to. That kind of answers, I guess, how it came about as well as how we got the whole committee together as well.
0: Great. And then you mentioned that when you had this conversation, you were talking about how Black technical and professional communication isn't really discussed kind of in the grand scheme of when we talk about technical and professional communication what kind of gaps specifically does this statement address or fill or start to address?
1: Well, I think it it kind of addresses various holes and gaps. Again, that's that's one of the main reasons why we went with themes instead of giving a generalized statement because each theme has a very specific thing that it's speaking to. And I really want to point to Dr. Cecilia Shelton's work where she gave us conference presentation at Feminism and Rhetoric. I think it was maybe 20 18 2017 2018 don't don't make me lie on the year here they all run together right
0: <laughs> um, it's been a long where, year as it is <laughs> so, yeah.
1: where she used the language of describing you know black twitter black medical rhetoric because she kept using the language of that's tech com to mm-hmm. you know drive that home so that was something that i kept in the back of my mind as we continue to work together like that is tech calm like In general, like that's the part of the conversation that a lot of times people are missing, where it doesn't necessarily have to just be this one specific thing. But I'm gonna allow everyone else to also answer what holes they think it fills as well, that's okay.
3: So I'll go. This is Jayla speaking. So for me, since over the past, um, I'll say three years in my doctoral program, but even while I was working on my master's, one of the areas as a technical communicator by trade, I had always been interested in just the visual aspect of communication and design. And as I began to do research within my master's program and even my doctoral program, I was noticing that the research I was finding within design studies, within professional writing, workplace writing, none of it really centered the Black experience. None of it was typically talking about activism from a community standpoint within Black communities, within being like a Black designer, a Black activist, a Black, uh, you know, technical writer. So because those are intersecting areas that I would have been interested in, that drew me in to further, you know, continue doing research, which now it's more centered on digital media and uh, workplace writing. But uh, those were gaps just Overall, the last, I want to say, five years I've been seeing and I recognize like, wow, there's an area of tech com that is, you know, definitely kind of alienating certain communities.
0: Cecilia, you gave a presentation about some of these areas. Do you want to talk about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think to kind of build on what um, Temptatious and Jayla said, just naming Black technical and professional communication as an emergent conversation and body of scholarship that is coherent so that folks have something to point to. I mean, certainly I shared the experience that Jayla described. I had the same one, you know, Jayla and our peers, we were in our doctoral programs at the same time. I came out just a tiny bit before her, but we have the shared experience of struggling to sort of articulate something that we knew existed and having literature to point to. And that's not to say that there weren't work in technical and professional communication, much of it that we cited in the statement that sort of lays a path, but being able to name that specifically as a cohesive body of scholarship and refer to it that way as Black technical and professional communication, we didn't have that. And now with this statement, there's something that folks can cite as a point of departure. And I think that that is incredibly important, right? It's what Jayla needed. It's what I needed. It's what Temptatious needed, right? And now moving forward, folks have that. We can build on it and expand it. And I think that's a huge hole that gets plugged.
0: Yeah, and what you're talking about, the impression that I get, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that this, unlike a lot of other position statements, is seen as kind of like a starting place, and a foundation for people to build on. Am I understanding that correctly?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I I think we certainly, um, this is Cecilia again, I think we certainly see it as like a point of departure. We certainly tried with the themes to convey a sense of like scope and breadth um, with the idea that there is more to that scope and breadth. We didn't want to sort of cast a narrow vision. We wanted to sort of start by thinking in many ways and hoping that this statement would be, I think, generative. So I'm sure other folks can add to that. I
1: think just to build on to that, we also wanted to give people the space to do some of the work on their own as well. Many times, you know, we're asked and we're tasked with what are these specific things? What does it look like? And of course, we could give you the direct answer. But of course, you know, by giving people the resources and the tools to continue to read for themselves is also such a critical move that we wanted to make. Because as black scholars, we're always having to take on that labor of teaching and showing people how to do things. So I think that was another important turn that we made in utilizing a resource instead of just a regular traditional statement.
0: You know, cause you mentioned that labor that often gets put on black and minority scholars of like, well, tell me what this is. Just spoon feed me please this information. And it's not sort of a spoon feeding document, right? It's do some homework, build on this, develop this it seems to me like that's sort of the approach that you have in mind
1: most definitely as we were curating it i would like to point to natasha natasha knew i'm gonna throw it over here to her because she had such a <laughs> she plays such a strong role this is temptation speaking again she plays such a strong role in helping us clean up and narrow down how we defined black technical professional communication. So Natasha, did
4: you mind speaking more to that as well? This is Natasha. I definitely think that I just took my cues from you temptations. Honestly, I wanted to be sure that when we were working with the definition that we made it clear that we are here and we have been here as technical communicators, as scholars, and we want to be recognized not only as an add-on to technical communication, but fundamental to our understanding of communication. So one of the things that I thought was important to do was to point to scholars like Dr. Miriam Williams, who's been doing this work for decades. And just as Cecilia and Jayla said, that they had um, difficulty identifying where Black technical communication was valued and acknowledged in the field. I also had that experience like five, 10 years before them, right? And had to find Dr. Maria Williams by myself, had to find out about her work by, my, by myself. And she's, you know, done amazing work. She's doing amazing work and just was not one of these names that you heard spoken in spaces and places as other scholars of her cohort or her her generation or her colleague, And so I thought it was really important to do the work that Temptations reminds us we should do in her work, and that's amplify Black technical communication across all of these expertise areas, all of these themes, and basically say, we're here, we've been here. In order to engage in technical communication in just equitable ways, you have to acknowledge that our knowledge is valuable, is legitimate, it's important, And you can't ignore it anymore. And I think that our work with the statement, even though we left, you know, some of it to your imagination, some of it for your education, there's no way you can say, I don't know who's doing this work anymore.
0: Right. Because you get that excuse, you know, well, I don't know where to start and even researching some of these ideas. And now everybody's got a place to start. So that excuse really goes away. So I want to get back to this idea. You mentioned that you've organized this statement in themes And I've actually got some of the themes here, black user experience design, community, health communication, social movements, black activism and digital rhetorics, black cultural rhetorics, black digital methods and methodologies and narratives and black experience. So how did you go about choosing some of these themes as a starting place? I know you've said this isn't an exhaustive list. But how did you decide to start here?
1: So a major part of doing this work is ensuring that you're aware of the people that you're working with and their expertise. I think sometimes we may confuse or assume that we have to be the experts of everything and that we have to know it all. But a major part of community building and collaboration is making sure you know who is the expert of what or who knows what and who are those people that you can draw on. So I think the way that we kind of did it as we continue to brainstorm was we just simply asked each other like, hey, what is your research focusing on? So I believe Donnie, he did Black user design. I think it's best for me. I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to let everyone speak to their specific
0: section. Can I do that, Ryan? Sounds great. Let's do it. Yeah. All right,
1: cool. Donnie, take it away, my man, I think you're first on the list.
5: Yeah, so I teach a lot of classes in um, design, particularly user experience design. And one of the sort of things that I thought was really important to feature in this statement is the sort of concerns that we see bridging between academic and larger publics, particularly when it comes to issues of design. And one of the things that I think emerges within the design world is the fact that a lot of our approaches to design are incredibly deracinated. Oftentimes, we operate on these assumptions that treat a very specific type of user, a very specific type of white user as being the default user. And we see people of color especially Black people, as being secondary users of technology or secondary designers of technology or not even designers of technology or users of technology at all. And so what I think about centering this idea of Black user experience within this statement achieves is to ask people to consider the question of what would it mean to center Black experiences when we approach the design of technology? Right. What would it mean to center Black perspectives in the design of technology? Um, We have all these conversations about how to make design more human-centered, but I think one of the things that we also have to do as part of that is to ask this question of what does it mean to be human? Who Who is human when we sort of talk about this? And I think for a very long period of time, these default assumptions about designers leave Black people out as human. I think a really, really good case of this is the type of controversy that we got around the Apple Watch, right? The initial rollout of the Apple Watch, wherein certain users, the laser on the watch wasn't picking up the heartbeat of certain users. And that's because these technologies, um, or this technology in particular, is designed with the Fitzpatrick scale in mind, right? And for people who don't know what the Fitzpatrick scale is, this is particularly a sort of measure in dermatology that ranks skin colors right? From the lightest to the darkest. You have designers who are working in big tech who are taking these ideas from other places and they're using it to design products and they're using user testing. And part of these user testing experiments sometimes don't even include Black users. So Black users that essentially would sort of point to particular problems in design aren't necessarily always a part of the process and don't necessarily end up being considered until these problems emerge after a technology has been rolled out. So this idea of thinking about Black user-centered design is a way of saying we need to be a lot more critical in thinking about the, the roles that Black people play in the development of technology.
1: Donnie, if you don't mind me asking, did you and Kim collaborate on In the Community together?
5: Yeah, we, we did.
1: Uh, speaking to that one since Kim is not here
5: on the call? Yeah, sure. The focus on community, Kim and I thought was incredibly important in part because Blackness doesn't necessarily exist in in some ether, right? Blackness is grounded in place. And if we're going to think about the sort of productive nature of uh, Black culture, we have to think about what Black people are doing in the spaces and places that we inhabit, right? And to sort of think about the productive capabilities that emerge from these spaces and the ways in which um, the activities that we are doing in these spaces help Black people, but also help all people in general. So I think that's one of the reasons why we, we felt that a focus on community, be it online communities like Black Twitter, or be it like the Black church were incredibly important in terms of talking about this notion of community within Black technical communication.
0: All right, awesome, thank you. Any other themes you wanna hit before we move on to other questions?
1: We also have Black Rhetorics of Health Communication, which Dr. Kimberly Harper out of North Carolina a and she's not here on the podcast with us today. She also did a focus there. So what we did with the themes, I think this is kind of backtracking a little bit, but mm-hmm. I think it is important to take some time and highlight that, again, that each theme has a specific author, a uh, curator, someone that was really on that. So that's why I, I know we're trying to cut for time, but I think it's really important to acknowledge that I, Dr. Temptations McCoy, did not have her hand in Black rhetorics of health communication, because mm-hmm. th- I, I, I don't know it. But I do want to acknowledge uh, Dr. Kimberly Harper worked with Black Rhetorics of health communication. Social movements, Black activism, and digital rhetorics was Dr. Cecilia Shelton. Cecilia, do you mind speaking to that?
2: Sure, I can talk about that real quick. My dissertation work, I work to make the argument that the Black activist tradition, which is sort of um, central to the Black rhetorical tradition in general in this country, is a long legacy of technical communication. And so I was thinking about sort of um, tech comm, not necessarily in like a business or an industry kind of context, more in a civic context. And I was also in a similar way, I think, to what Donnie discussed about how Blackness and Black folks get excluded in user design. I'm thinking about the ways that Blackness and Black people are cast in our cultural narratives. And so the ways that, you know, Black black knowledge production gets excluded from how we conceptualize like notions of expertise, for example, and ethos, which are so important in technical and professional communication because of how we see ourselves as disseminating, you know, expert knowledge to different users and audiences. And so, you know, part of what I was trying to do is to think about other ways that we can talk about expertise, talk about ethos and other many other concepts that are sort of central to the are like disciplinary questions in techcom and then think about how we can recover some of the work from the Black rhetorical tradition and namely activism, Black Twitter activism. I worked a little bit with Donnie and Kim on that community section too. So I think we all kind of collaborated across these sections where we could jump in, which was really great to sort of find your like niche and jump in here and there too, because I think there's definitely some cross-pollination between the concepts, you know, in these different themes.
0: No, this is great. And one of the themes I'm picking up on here is that, you know, just like I'm not an expert in all of what tech comm entails. You know, no one person is like the black tech comm expert. Right. And that it's such a large body of knowledge that has so many perspectives. I like this emphasis that it's not just like, well, here's one person who understands all of this or it's, you know, something that one person can get their head around by themselves. Am I understanding that correctly? This is
4: Natasha. I think that one of the things that tends to happen when we talk about Black culture, Black community, Black scholarship, there's this homogenization that occurs that, oh, you're Black, so why don't you come and tell us all about it, right? Mm -hmm. Or, well, Black people understand this this way. And so understanding that Black community, Black culture, Black people. We are a heterogeneous bunch. We, we like different things. And I know that sounds really like basic, but sometimes you just got to say, we like different <laughs> things. We agree about some things. We don't agree about other things. I love that Tisha's idea was, let's drill down on our expertise, because I think that is another rhetorical signal to folks out there, like, hey, we are individuals as well as community. So understand that and appreciate that as well. The other thing I'll say is that even as this list, represents expertise, we recognize there's expertise that is not included on this list that we had to think about as far as scope. So I think about other areas of expertise like international technical and professional communication and folks like Dr. Godwin Akboka, Dr. Josephine Wawima in areas of health and medicine. There's Dr. Amy Roundtree. Like There are lots of other scholars out here and again, just reiterating, this is a starting point, but if you want to find
0: we're here. So you've mentioned a couple of times this is a starting place. It's not an ending, it's a foundation. So for people who have read this statement or are excited about it, for people in the field, especially white scholars, where do we go from here? What are the ways that we can build on this statement and contribute to and, and extend the work that's been done?
3: I want to speak to that quickly. Mm -hmm. This is Jayla speaking. First, I want to just say like everything that has been shared about these sections, so many of us have a little bit of interest or expertise in that. And it just shows that there's so many overlaps and intersections. So when I'm thinking about where do we go from here, you know, one of the sections I worked on was Black digital methods and methodologies, particularly because I was noticing as I am doing research that there was nothing that centered the Black experience. Um, You know, I draw upon Black feminism and we can draw upon intersectionality, but there's so many other intricate areas of the Black experience and Black culture that when you're doing certain design studies and when you're disseminating data, you cannot separate the human experience from that data collection. You cannot separate the two. So for me, one of the things that i would like to see like that this statement can do is we can begin to see in our literature methods methodologies uh you know even theories that go beyond black feminism go beyond intersectionality and is centered in technical communication but centers blackness centers you know other minorities that's just one of the ways i see it moving forward
5: i was going to say one of the things that we should also sort of think about as we move forward is the sort of productive capability that happens when people move between sections on this particular statement. In particular, I'm thinking about, you know, the ways in which community, um, user experience design, and even elements of health and medicine intersect to produce different ways of thinking. And in particular, one of the, the sort of gaps that I think emerged when this statement first circulated was that there wasn't necessarily a focus on disability. Well, I think those three sections that come together help us to start to think about what does disability look like from a Black technical communication perspective. So I just want to echo what everybody's saying so far is that this is just a start. This statement isn't necessarily just, you know, the end-all be-all. Maybe it's a foundation, maybe it's not a foundation, but it's it's something that should propel people to do important useful, responsible work moving forward.
3: As you look at the broader themes, as you're saying, Donnie, in the categories, those are going to generate the gaps that people have said are gaps. So I don't think it's our job to identify the gaps. We've identified areas of research that has not been centered in literature. And from those areas, you find the gaps within that.
1: Well, I just want to say I'm so happy Jayla just said that because... It reminds me of when this committee was formed and we were asked, like, you know, who were we going to place on it. I wanted to be sure to include graduate students as well, because Jayla and Constance are graduate students that are about to go out into the field. Right. They are about to continue the community. So when we're asking about what does it look like next steps, sometimes we those of us who are already tenure track in jobs, We can't really answer those questions, right? Because we're not, the the field's changing from our graduate students. So I, I really wanna say, I'm so happy that Jayla and Constance were able to join us on this because they are the ones that's gonna continue the trajectory and as they go out on the market, someone's gonna snatch both of them up quickly. We already know that's going to happen. But this is how we see the field continue to change. We bring in our graduate students. We collaborate with our graduate students. We co-author with graduate students. We don't treat them as something like a, a side, you know, bargain, right? We're we're bringing them in. So I'm happy that you've asked that question, Ryan, about next steps. And, and Jayla has been so vocal about what those next steps can look like, because she is, as well as other graduate students, are a part of that change that we're going to
0: see. Thank you so much. Is Do we want any other final statements or closing statements? Is there anything I didn't ask or anything that anyone didn't get a chance to say as we're kind of thinking about wrapping up? Get out and do
5: some work. That's it. Read. <laughs> I agree with that. Get out and do some work.
2: I feel like we've all kind of alluded to this, and particularly Natasha's done a nice job of making sure to say this, but, you know, sort of in the tradition, I think, in the Black rhetorical tradition, I just think it's important to say how meaningful it has been as a junior scholar to have folks like Natasha and Donnie, Miriam Williams, Godwin, Josie, the other Black tech comm scholars. I mean, Other folks that I haven't named, but I have seen cited and and I could pull together, but they were doing this work without the benefit of this kind of institutional and structural and disciplinary support. That is hard, right? And so it, it paved a path for this group to emerge. And I think that that's important to just name in the ways that we already have. But for me, particularly as a scholar, to say thank you.
3: Yeah, I want to say thank you also to just everyone who's come before me. Thank you so much, Temptatious, for even inviting me to be on this um task force because as you were saying, as a graduate student, although I am about to leave my program, you know, as a grad student, you just sometimes feel like your ideas are kind of like either they're too big or undervalued, when in reality, your your ideas are on the brink of something great. You know, that quote that's like, I feel like I'm on the brink of greatness, but you just don't really know where that's going. And I think this list is for graduate students It should encourage you that whatever it is that you are wanting to do, that research that you're wanting to do, if you're not finding, you know, similar theories or methods or areas of expertise, this should be able to show you that your ideas are still valuable, even though you might not see it as the dominant voice in our scholarship.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you all for all of this work. I know a lot of future scholars and future graduate students are going to rely a lot on the work that you've done to continue to build on this, the kind of work that Donnie just mentioned, do the work. And a lot of us in Techcom really appreciate all the resources that you've given us, not to do the work for us, but to let us do some of this work better. Thank you so much.
4: Thank you for having
0: us. No Thank problem. You. Thank,
4: Thank you. <laughs> this was great.